Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, how good it is to gather together 12 Stone, including those of you who are part of 12 Stone Home right now. Maybe you're gathering on your own, maybe with your spouse, maybe with your family, but a whole bunch of us are figuring out that while we're not comfortable yet coming back in the house, in the room, in worship, we're gathering in groups. We're at 12 Stone Home. So maybe it's 8, 12, 20, 30 God's using that time and gathering mightily. You're in community. You're worshiping. Same thing's happening here in the house, right? 12 Stone Live. We're fired up to be here together. So let's learn something together. And I want you to read this scripture with me right off the top. And and you'll notice of the word hope is given emphasis, so you give it emphasis. So if you're 12 Stone Home, if you're here in the room, we're going to read this whole scripture together, and then I want you to give appropriate emphasis. Are you ready ready to do that? Let's read it together. Ready with me. Let's go. We have this hope, Jesus, as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have this hope. We're in a three-week series on hope, H-O-P-E, hope. And once you understand God-sized hope, well, you realize you can't stop hope any more than you can stop God. But where you anchor your hope really matters. You have to anchor your hope in that which is firm and secure for your soul. Where do you anchor your soul? In other words, we got a question here. And this question is going to kind of drive us through the, through the day. What are you anchored to? Because we're all anchored to something. What are you anchored to? And Jesus is going to teach us two things we need to know, one thing we need to do. In fact, I'll put right off the top, I'll put the first thing. Here's what we need to know. First thing of two that we need to know. We are in a war of truth versus lies. Jot it down, put it in your phone, set it in your mind, get it before you, you're at home, write it down. We are in a war, we are in a what, everybody? War. So you need to know right now, what are we in the midst of? We're in the midst of a war. What's the war? The war is truth versus lies. What is the war, everybody? Truth versus lies. One more time. What is the war? Truth versus lies. Jesus is reminding us we're in a war. Let me take it over to the whiteboard. You know, I've been doing this mad scientist stuff, uh, you know, rather mad professor, kind of laying stuff out. I want to enlarge where we left off last week that God has given us our big story, creation. It all begins. God created us in his image. He gave us life. It was perfect. It was paradise. We had purpose. It was awesome. Garden of Eden. And God said, if you sin, well, you'll surely die. Now live in the truth. Live anchored in my truth. But there's the choice, the chance to sin. Otherwise, there would be no love relationship with God. Love always has a choice. So we choose to be in that loving relationship with God. But the next 
is the fall. The next part of the story is the fall. And why do we call it the fall? Because we fell from truth into lies. Maybe you know the story, but Satan, who was a powerful, beautiful angel, well, he chose to exchange truth for lies. So he elevated himself. He thought much of himself. He got filled with, with a, a sense of him being somebody and tried to take, if you will, the throne of God. And, and so he exchanged truth for lies and he was dethroned and cast out of heaven, became an enemy of God. And now he's the enemy and he shows up as the enemy to get us to join him in a life of lies. So what does he say to Adam and Eve? Oh, what God told you isn't true. God doesn't tell the truth. You know, don't worry about this. Take from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You, nothing, you won't die. So he delivers the lie. That's, it's who he is. It's what he does. It's his whole life. From there forward, he's a, he's a liar. He's our enemy. And what is sin? Sin is when you exchange the truth for a lie. And, and we sin. And when you, when you buy a lie, you lose. A story stuck with me. So I went back and found it. It just it hung in my head from a long time ago. It was the Enron scandal. Some of you may remember. You got to go back some years. 2001 was the Enron scandal. The energy company was lying. Let me just read the story. The energy company was lying about their finances, their financial stability. And people bought into it. They anchored into it, if you will. They anchored to it. They trusted Enron. After all, it was the seventh largest company in America at the time. The collapse, maybe you don't remember the details. Let me give them to you. The collapse wiped out thousands of jobs, more than $60 billion in market value, and more than $2 billion in pension plans. Here's why I remember the story, because I remember these names, people. George Maddox served 30 years as a plant manager with Enron. He trusted Enron with 100% of his retirement future. 14,000 shares of the company stock is what he owned. It was worth, worth more than 1.3 million at the time. And then George Maddox in the interview says, I never saw the crash coming. He lost his retirement savings and has been forced to spend his golden years making ends meet by mowing pastures and living in a rundown East Texas farmhouse. The man had bet his life that they could be trusted. Because lies prove to be false, and if you anchor them, anchor in them, well, you lose. I mean, that, that all, all, all God, when God is telling us our story of the creation of the fall, he says, if you, if you, if you anchor here, you lose. And, and then Jesus comes along. Remember, we, we left off last week. Jesus, our living hope. Our what? Living hope. And Jesus comes in the next. So the next is, is redemption. 
And, and Jesus provides redemption by dying on the cross and covering our sin debt so that what? So that we could be saved. And what is salvation? Salvation is exchanging, it should be obvious right now, exchanging a lie for what? For the truth. Thank God that's what Jesus does for us. We get to exchange lies for, see, we fell when we exchange truth for the lie. We are saved through Jesus who covers our sin. By the way, that ought to start to get a little bit fired up right there. Like, thank God what Jesus did for us. Now we can be saved. We're redeemed because we exchange the lie for the truth. See, that's our hope. That's what we anchor in. That's why when we read this scripture right off the top, we have this hope, Jesus, as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Yes, we fell. We bought the lie. But Jesus has turned everything around. And we anchor in him. Let's take a moment and think about that. We put a little anchor up here for us. Because, because what does an anchor do? Well, an anchor does several things for you. You understand, tied to the ship. But, but what it does there for is it, it, it helps hold you secure. If you find a great fishing spot, you drop the anchor so you can stay right there and not lose that great spot. Man, when you're in a great spot with the truth of God, you just want to be, you just want to be settled in that spot. You want to be secure in it. But an anchor does more than that. An anchor helps you in the storm to keep you from shipwreck. The apostle Paul wrote about that in Acts 27 when he himself was on a ship in a horrendous storm, some 14 plus days. And they dropped the four anchors to try and keep them from going into the rocks and being shipwrecked. We are anchored in Jesus and his truth so that we don't shipwreck our lives. And we're in the midst of some pretty serious storms these days. And we need an anchor so we don't shipwreck. Ephesians chapter 4 was talking about this. That's what Paul meant when he wrote then. Meaning, when we are united and anchored in Jesus' truth, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. We live in the midst of a war of truth versus lies. You're in the war. The world around you is telling you to anchor in lies. To Satan is, it's what he does. And so anchor in Jesus, which is firm and secure, and you can be confident in him. And, and more than that, we're, we're anchored in him to go take new territory. Literally, the church exists by the grace of God to help other people be anchored in Jesus, right? To reach as many people as possible for as long as he allows us to serve, to depopulate hell and populate heaven. The church exists for that. I expect a response right about there. Because, because what God in his love did for us while he created us perfect in his image and there was a fall and we exchanged truth to the lie. Now through Jesus, we can help people exchange lies for the truth. And we have the hope of heaven. We have this great restoration that God is doing and I'm out of room. Okay, restoration. We left off with that last week. It's heaven. Oh my goodness, wasn't last week fun? <laughs> The hope of heaven and all of this is from God and the kindness and the mercy of God. In fact, let me just remind us, can God keep up with where we left off last week? We have this hope and hope operates in three arenas, operates in every day, 
operates in the midst of the enemy. In the midst of who? The enemy and eternity. Hmm. And there are three things that I said you got to learn. I put them on the board last week. I'll put them on the screen just as a reminder to you. This is what hope practices. Look at that. What is hope practice? Everybody say these three with me. Went through it last week. Got to deepen it this week. What is hope practice? What do we do? We think backward. We live forward. We hope upward. Last week, all hope upward. But I set it up for you. Do you like this going back and forth? You're enjoying this, aren't you? I mean, this helps you. This helps you think. This helps. Think backward. What do we mean? Well, we're starting the series right here week one because you have to start with the end in mind, eternity. And, and we think backwards, which means hope operates with an awareness of eternity, our eternal home. But we're in the midst of a war with the enemy. But every day, think backwards, every day we have an awareness of this. So that's why week one is on eternity. Week two today is the enemy. Week three next week week is every day. Every day will get really practical. However, however, you have to live forward. So once you understand how to think backward, you now live forward. Next week, we'll talk about every day. You live with an awareness that you are in a war with the enemy, but that you have the hope of eternity through Jesus. That's what you're anchored in. But listen, to be anchored in eternity, you got to be anchored in the truth today. Ooh, that's just not someday. That's today. See, we are in a love story, but the setting is war, and the promise is heaven. And we're here in this conversation today. And so what you need to know is every day you're in the midst of a war, and you think backwards. It's, I'm in a war. Every day I have the evil one whispering, the world telling me lies. Wait, what am I, what am I going to live by? What am I going to believe? And if I believe a lie, I lose. And Satan is saying, join me, join me. Lies about money, lies about morals, lies about marriage. Lies about what's important. Lies about how to get a better life. Lies about what brings joy. Lies about what lasts. And we're being whispered these lies. We're in a war. And it's foolishness. And we buy in. I'm just, what are the examples of just foolishness? It's when the evil one whispers to you, use your credit card freely. To buy consumer goods, just stuff to make you happy. I'm telling you, in this pandemic stuff, you can just get out the credit card and say, I gotta buy some happy. <laughs> I gotta buy me some happy. And then, and then you start, oh, goodbye, I'm so happy. I feel better. This is a total lie. Because the thing you just bought is worth less the moment you get it. And then what you paid, you're going to pay more. I appreciate the preach. You go, girl. <laughs> and what you paid, you're going to pay more. 
You didn't pay what you paid when you had it brought to you from Amazon or you ran to the store. If it's on credit card, you're at 24%. You're paying more than you even bought it for, and you don't feel better. You feel more empty. Listen, lies promise high and deliver low. They promise more, they deliver less. You feel great, it fades. Now you are in a prison of debt for a very long time because lies lie to you. And if you buy into the lie, you live by the lie and you lose by the lie. And we are in a war. And listen, the war is not, stay with me, the war is not the big war in the Middle East or in the world around us. It's not even capitalism, socialism, communism, or racism. The big lie is we are in a war for truth versus lies, and the Spirit of God has made it clear. Truth sits in the heart and the hand of Jesus Christ, and you anchor in him. We're at war. You got to know you're at war. You know what? I have no idea where I am in my notes, but I am on this. There's a second thing. Got to move on, or we'll be here for an hour. Not that that's a bad idea. Number two, truth is not a debate between us. It's a declaration of Jesus. Truth is not a debate between. Listen, what's true? Well, let's debate it. We, we, truth is not something we debate and figure out. It's a declaration of Jesus. Mm. I, people say, well, what is truth? It's that. Well, I, I just don't believe, I don't believe there's truth. Really? I hear people say, all through my life, I just I don't believe there's truth. Really? Because I don't believe you. I think you do. In fact, all you got to do is ask someone, so you don't believe there's any such thing as truth? No, I don't. Are you sure that's true? And they always say, oh yeah, that's true. Now, how can that be true if you don't believe in truth? You can't assert something and then contradict it to confirm it. That's why people like Ravi Zacharias, the late Ravi, who's enjoying the presence of God, was so helpful to the kingdom. Here's about three minutes where he has this kind of a dialogue with, I think, a graduate student that picked him up and was taken to the secular university for a dialogue. They stopped for lunch, and they had this kind of exchange. Listen. The fellow across the table looked at me and said, I hear, uh, Mr. Zacharias, that you do not believe in evolution. I said, do you mean atheistic evolution? He said, yes. I said, no, I don't believe in it. He said, you don't? I said, no, sir. I said, if you're telling me that matter has caused mind, I don't believe it. He said, you don't? I said, no. He said, I can't believe that a professor would find it hard to give into such evidence. And I said, do you believe in evolution? And he said, Absolutely. I said, atheistic evolution? He said, yes. I said, I can't believe that an intelligent fellow will. I said, tell me something. Do you believe time plus matter plus chance has produced your brain? You know, and he paused for a moment. I said, you know, time, uh, ooh, long range of time. And I said, matter, you know, bouncing up and down, blub, 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 over aeons of, ooh, lots of matter bouncing over lots of time. And chance, I said, I really don't know what chance means to you. I said, I've read books on the philosophy of chance. I said, but frankly, I've come to the conclusion that chance is just a catch word to explain what you don't understand. I said, if I were to ask you to show me chance, we can't stand at the window together and you say, there goes chance. 
See, chance doesn't have a body. I said, if you take a coin to toss it into the air, nine times in a row it comes down heads, the possibility of it coming tails the tenth time is 50-50. I said, chance doesn't have a body, doesn't have power. I said, frankly, I believe chance is nothing. Chance is no thing. I said, and just in case you don't know what nothing means, Aristotle defined nothing as that which rocks dream about. That's a pretty good definition of nothing. Unfortunately, he had to bring rocks into it, but it's a pretty good definition of nothing. You can't conceive of it in your mind. I said, but I'll give it to you. Time plus matter plus chance has created your brain. He said, yeah, I, I have to say that. I said, if time plus matter plus chance has created your brain, then truth as an absolute category no longer exists. Because truth by nature is absolute. Time is changing, matter is changing, chance, whatever it is, is changing. You never get time, matter, and chance remaining the same. If time plus matter plus chance has created your brain, truth as an absolute category no longer exists. Because if it is an absolutely truthful statement with the givens, it's true on Monday, true on Tuesday, true on Wednesday, so on and so forth. But with the fluctuation and flux of time plus matter plus chance, truth as a category no longer exists. He said, I believe that to be correct. I said, if that is correct, how do you know it is true that time plus matter plus chance has created your brain? <laughs> do you know what the boy said to me? He said, let's get up and go. He says, my field is science, not philosophy. Well, there you have it. Ravi, smart, clear, Chris. Listen, the world wants to tell that if you believe in Jesus as the truth, something's wrong with your brain. And, and, I, and, and that's what the evil one wants us to think. That anybody who believes in God's a fool. That's what Satan has been saying from the beginning. Once you buy a lie, you lose. And many will concede after conversations like that, okay, there is a truth. But listen, then there's my truth and there's your truth. I know what that means. I have my truth, which means it's my experience. It comes from my perspective, and you have yours. So I have my truth, you have yours. Here's my truth. My truth is that dads are unreliable. You can't trust their word, and you can't depend on them. And that was my experience and my perspective growing up. By the time I was 12 and roughly the time my parents divorced, I, I believed there were reasons that, that I now know my dad's major liar. And by 15, I, I knew uh, that, that my dad wouldn't be there for me. By 17, I concluded I can't depend on him and I won't. And I just declared a vow to myself, I will never ask him for anything ever again the rest of my life. We're done. And we were. Now that's true. Now you have your experience. It's true for you. Now did that mess me up as a future dad? Of course it did. I'm, I'm, when I'm eventually married and Marsh and I are about to have our first kid, I'm not having this conversation publicly at the time, but I am in turmoil. I don't, I, what kind of dad am I going to be? I've never been a dad. I've never had a kid. What if, what if I find out, you know, that I don't like my kid and I don't love him? 
What if I find out why my dad relationally abandoned me? Why he didn't like me, why he didn't love me? What if I figure that out and I have the same thing? I mean, it was messing me up. I wasn't talking to Marsha or anyone. It was just internal. See, we all got these battles going on. What's true? What's lie? What do I live by? What, how this stuff forms me? By the way, good news. Soon as my first Josh was born, I'm like, boom, in love. And it grew true with all my kids. And thank God, it doesn't matter how you were raised. You have a heavenly father that can re-raise you. So if you don't lean into him, he'll grow you up. And, and many of you know because I can say this story because many of you know, a year, year and a half ago, God opened some doors and my dad and I reconciled after 40 years of distance. So that's all good. So I can share this kind of a story knowing that God's bringing a better end of the story. But here's the reality. That was my truth. Now stay with me. I, so I could say and did. Uh, dads are, are, are unreliable. You can't depend on them. Now that was small T true for me, but is that capital T true for all dads? Well, no. Listen, our culture is getting lost in my truth versus the truth. And we got to reclaim the truth. My little T truth is not the capital T truth. It's not the governing truth. It's not the guiding truth. It's not the eternal truth. We got to reclaim it. See, Jesus was making it clear when it comes to truth. When he spoke in John 5, he said, I tell you the what, everybody? Truth. In other words, when I speak, I'm telling the truth. He goes on in John chapter 14. He said, I am the way and the what? Truth. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father, that is, goes to heaven, except through me. So I not only tell the truth, I am the truth. By very essence, I am the source of truth. I am the fountain of truth. I don't just deliver it. I'm not just a vehicle of it. I'm not just a cup that delivers the drink. I am the water of life itself. Now, this stuff messes us up because we like to sit in circles and have conversations and debate the truth. But we're not. Jesus says, I am the truth. And this is highly offensive to us. It was highly offensive to the people in Jesus' day. In John chapter 8, Jesus, having taught the truth, uh, tells us something of this story. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, if you hold to my teaching, if you hold to my teaching... Like, I'm giving you the truth, so if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the what? Truth, and the truth will set you free. You want to live a free life? You're going to have to exchange lies for truth. You're going to have to follow him and walk with him. This was becoming offensive to the religious leaders of the day who said, you're not the truth. You're not telling the truth. We're followers of Abraham, our father, who is the father of the nation of Israel. And Jesus said, hang on. If you really did follow your father Abraham, then you would love me because he foretold me. Because he followed God faithfully. If you were following God, you'd follow me. Listen, if you were following God faithfully, you'd follow me. I am God. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Man, that ticked them off. It was as offensive to the religious leaders of the day as what I'm saying right now is to you. Only it's not me. Don't get mad at me. Jesus said this. He's got to know what Jesus said. In fact, he goes on. He says to them, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come from him, or I have come from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. Well, that had to be slightly offensive. <laughs> hey, just in case you're not clear, 
You're following Satan. I mean, that's literally what he says. You belong to your father, Satan, and you want to, this goes on, and you want to carry out your father's desires. Who is Satan? He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a what? Liar and the father of what? Lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. You know what he's saying? If you're not anchored in the truth of Jesus, you're anchored to lies. And Satan is the father of lies. That offends us because we prefer to sit in coffee shops, classrooms, courtrooms, capitals of states and a nation, and debate. Well, here's what I think is true. Okay, that's the small T truth. Who cares? Let's get to the capital T truth. Because we aren't debating that. That's declared by Jesus. He is not making suggestions. He's the source of truth. And if you join Satan, he's Enron. You will lose everything. If you anchor in his lies, you lose. Not just retirement here, but for eternity. Jesus is trying to deliver the truth. You can be anchored in and hope in him. And so the good news is there's truth. And you can anchor in it. Thank God. Now that you know those two things, what do you do? What do you do? I'll put, put it right here. Let's put the What do you do? Well, the answer is anchor your life in truth. What do you do? Anchor your life in truth. That's it. What do you do? Anchor your life in truth. I don't know what to do. Well, anchor your life in truth. Anchor your life in truth because, listen, because the end times is the end of lies. Just hear this. People keep saying, what are the end times? The end of lies. The lies are gone. Let's go over here because there's so much I want to tell you. If you've never heard this, I'm going to do a review of the book of Revelation. The end times. So fast, it'll make your head spin. That's how mom used to say it. It'll make your head spin. All right, here's the book of Revelation, which is the end of all lies. He's talking about the church, that God has redeemed the church, and that's who we are, and that's who carries the truth. And so we're sitting in a world right now of the era of the church in the midst of a world that's lying, and we're here to bring them to Christ. Then you hit the seven years, and this seven years is often called the tribulation. Am I giving high level over you? Yes. And here comes... The Antichrist, who is he? All the details, the seals, the bowls. There's all kinds of complexity here, but roughly a seven years tribulation that is horrendous. Oh, it starts with this peace plan with Israel, and it looks like it's going to be awesome, but about three and a half years, the Antichrist pulls on that, and you discover he's all the Antichrist the scripture said he was. And you won't be able to buy and sell because there's going to be a one world government and a unified financial system and there's going to be the mark of the beast and this is where you hear the things about the 666 666 and this is all horrendous and then most think that this is roughly the time of the second coming of Jesus so when we say the end times what do we mean we mean the time that Jesus returned to heaven and the time when he comes back is there a rapture somewhere here along the way I like to think so I think there's biblical reason. I think it's roughly right here so that we don't have to go through any of that. Anyhow, Jesus comes back again 
you pick your spot because ain't none of us right until Jesus shows us. Okay, then Jesus, then Jesus comes back and there's a thousand year reign with Jesus. And this thousand year reign demonstrates that Jesus is all he said he would be. And then there's this final battle and then the judgment. And this great judgment, you either spend eternity in hell because your name was not written in the Lamb's book of life, which means this, lies lose. They always lose. People say, oh, I'm never going to call Jesus Lord. Yes, you will. But if you joined Satan while you were on earth, you will join him in eternity. And then heaven. And I've heard and read the stuff where people say love wins. Everyone goes to heaven. That's a, I, I want to write that book, too. It's, however, truth and love wins. And the love of God makes it possible for everyone to go to heaven. But you have to bow to the truth. And if you do not, you forfeit the truth. Wow. So here we are in the war of truth and lies. How do we play that out? How do we how, how do you know the truth? I'm glad you've asked. Let's have a little bit of fun. Let's bring out Travis, because Travis and I were having a conversation. And I said, Travis, I need some help. We're in a battle of truth and lies. So Travis, come on out. And, yes. and when Travis come out, I said, we need to involve Pastor Jason and Pastor Sean. They're always yes. up here teaching. I want to put them in a situation where I can have more fun with All them right. than they can have the control of teaching. Come on out. So, Pastor Jason, Pastor Sean, by the way, they have a framework of a little bit of an idea of what's going on, but they don't know where the consequences of this is going, do they? No, Charles? no, let me explain the game, and then yeah. you can explain the consequences. So we're going to play a game called uh, Truth or a Lie, all right? In front of you are six envelopes that are statements about you that three are true, three are a lie. The goal is when you say a statement, the other person has five seconds to determine whether it's a truth or or a lie, okay? okay? If you get it right, then you get a point. If they get your right, then, well, whatever. There's a point every round. If, uh, yeah, you, you get what I mean. As always, if you say <laughs> If you say something true and he guesses it correct, he gets a point. Okay. If you get it wrong, he gets a point, okay? okay. And what, who, what, first happens? what happens? First person of four wins. And what and happens? The, the consequence what is, is the consequence? Let's have the fun with the consequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the consequence? Because these are competitive people, and you might not okay. know that fully, but okay. I do. And so I'm about to put something on the line. So here's what's going to happen. The loser has to wash personally by hand and do an excellent job the car of the other one. And we're going to do it in the back lot. And we're going to film it. And I'm going to play it next week. So the loser has to wash the car. One of you is going to sip lemonade. The other one's going to wash their car. This is, I'm ha they have no idea. I'm having so much fun. So now truth and lies is hard to discern. We yeah. live in a world of yeah, truth and lies. Of Travis, take oh, us there. Right. Let's go. All right. I'm bringing a white t-shirt, boys. I'm driving my car. All right. <laughs> All, right. All right. Here we go. Uh, we played rock, paper, scissors. Yes. Sean, you won. You mm. wanted to read first. So Jay, uh, Jason, pick one of his statements. And Sean, you'll read it. Go. Just pick one. Let's go. All right. Read it. You in high school, I once dumped a girl because she drove too slow. <laughs> Sounds true. That's a lie. That is a lie. Well, all right. Good it's for you. It's because I laughed to give it away. Yeah, I got to yeah, Travis. Okay. You can't be funny in these. Uh, Jason, one point. Man. Well done. This is the official scoreboard. You would do something all right, pick like one. That. I would do clear. something like that. Totally. totally. No, no, no. no, no you read it. You read it. Okay. All right. So you did not I'm dump so a girl. I'm so nervous. You got it all right. right. Go. 
All right, uh, my high school senior superlatives were best eyes and best smile. You don't know that word, false. <laughs> True. Man, oh! Wow, Jason, oh, you always you put big words in there like you're so sophisticated. My, uh, my car will be driven through a muddy field. <laughs> oh, God, don't be too quick. All right, Sean, it's you. Uh, Jason, pick one. Of his, of his. Two to zero. My heart's beating through my chest I, right now. I do not want to watch your car. Uh, all right, here uh, we go. My favorite song is Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus. What? Say that again. <laughs> My favorite song is Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus. Oh, please. That is true. Oh, no! <laughs> I love, wow! Don't judge me. Oh, that's terrible. I feel like I, I should still get song. a point. I know. <laughs> we should remove a point from him because Doesn't that's true. Doesn't he lose a point? He keeps his point. No, no. He keeps his that's point. That's your favorite song. I love it, man. It just speaks to me. My first kiss was in a high school play, and I threw up a little bit afterwards. <laughs> False. False. Yes. Ah, he ties it up. Sean ties oh, it up. I don't like when was your first kiss? I'm not going to talk about okay. that. Okay, all right. There My wife on our wedding day. On his wedding day. So pure and chaste. All right, Sean. Even though I'm not afraid of heights, I'm totally freaked out by using ladders. I'm short. True. <laughs> False. Dang it. Ah, no! I want to remind everyone your favorite song is Wrecking Ball. No, it doesn't matter. We're going to play it while you wash his car. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I hate this. This is it, Jason. Out. You got to get this. Right here. Come on. I once hit a hole in one while golfing, but on the wrong green. True. False. No! Oh my word, this is it. This is it. This is it. All right, pick one. I did one. get a hole in one one time. I know you did. That's why. Oh, that was good. Sorry, I didn't know that. I don't know. I knew you got a hole in one once. All right. I'm so Here nervous. it is. Here it is. <sighs> Ever since watching the movie The Notebook, Rachel McAdams has been my favorite celebrity crush. I know you like The Notebook. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> True. It is. Oh, Jason! Jason wins! Give it up for Jason, everybody! Jason, it is! You'll get to see it next week. Thanks, guys. Oh, now, wow. listen, everybody. We are in a world where we have all kinds of things coming at us that are truth versus lies. How do you tell the difference? What, what do you do? Here's what you do. You ready? You got to anchor to truth with me, which means anchor to God's word. It means anchor to God's word. Let me illustrate. See, every day you're in the midst of people throwing out truths and lies. How do you discern? Let's play a little true versus lie. Here's the first one. Jesus is one of many ways to God. True or lie. Don't yell it. Don't yell it. I don't want you to embarrass yourself in any way. But internally. <laughs> internally. Is Jesus one of many ways? Are there many ways to God and Jesus is just one of them? Is that true or lie? What's the answer? It's a lie. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When people say Jesus is one of many ways, do you know, I may have not thought about it, but it's kind of irrational. Because if there were nine good ways to God and the tenth way was Jesus leaving heaven, coming to earth, dying on the cross. If I'm Jesus, I'm like, we got nine good ways to get here. And to get the tenth one, I got to die. Let's keep it at nine, right? 
Let's do another one. When Jesus forgives me, I am free from all the eternal consequences of my sin. Is that true or is that a lie? What is it? True. Thank God, right? For by grace we are saved through faith. And if we confess our sins, faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right, what, what, what else? Let's do another. I can be a Christian, but buy into our culture's popular opinions. Ooh, that you should know immediately is what? A lie. There are some saying, I follow Christ. But we're educated by the culture. Jesus even said in Matthew 7, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, enters the kingdom of God, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Well, here's another one. Believing in hell is incompatible with the love of Jesus. Well, that's what? That's a lie. It was Jesus who taught us about hell. Jesus taught more about hell than heaven. And out of love for us, he came and died precisely because of hell. And people, when people say, well, there can't be a hell, Jesus wouldn't send us. No, he wouldn't, but you can send yourself. What, what do you want him to do? Die that you might be forgiven and restored? He has. Forgive you of everything? He will, but you will not be forgiven. So if you don't say, Jesus, your will be done, then in the end, Jesus says, well, then your will be done. So where do you anchor your life? I want to pray with you. In fact, in the room, I want everyone to stand. I want to pray over you. Maybe, maybe wherever you are, you can just put yourself in a reverent position before God. Oh. We've been praying each morning for the last six days. Today's the seventh. Seeking the spirit of God to do such a move among us. I want to pray over you. Just bow your heads. I want to tell you who I'm going to pray for. I think this is what God would have for us. I want to pray over those of you who are Christians. And this season is unanchoring you because of worry and fear. You're wondering, can I really trust? And an anchor is designed to dig deep and hold. I'm going to pray that God would help you lean into him and dig that anchor deeper in. Some of you are Christians, and if you're honest, what's going on right now is that you are being educated by the culture more than Christ. And you're buying this lie that you can live in between the worlds. And if you buy a lie, you lose. There's not political positions that can contradict the teaching of God's word. There's not moral money relationship decisions that you should make randomly in this culture that are inconsistent with the teachings and the truth of God. Your whole life is surrendered to the truth. And my prayer for you is that you would re-anchor. This is a serious moment. The Spirit of God is saying you are adrift, re-anchor in the truth. So you're not tossed by every truth or teaching or deceit. Finally, some of you are spiritually unresolved. They're not even sure you buy this. But maybe today you'd have the courage to say, God, if you are there, would you reveal yourself to me? Father, I want to pray. Right now there are some who walk with you and they're being unanchored. They're losing the grip. They're wondering, God, I don't know how to trust you. Father, would you 
give such peace that you would, if you will, deepen the anchor. May right now, God, over those who say, God, I need my anchor to go deeper. May that anchor drive deeper right now. As they say, God, would you deal with my anxiety and my worry and my fear? And sometimes, God, I can't seem to trust you. I don't, can I, am I really making sense? Am I, can I really afford to do it? Can I live like the God? Help me, help me. Well, then, God, would you, would you grant right now a level of peace that is more sustained and staining, deepening and abiding? Overall, who would say, I'm in that place, I need it. But God, there are others of us, and we know you, we walk with you, but, but some are adrift, some are being educated by this culture, some are buying into to the popular opinion, some are losing the clarity of truth, and they're living by lies while they're claiming the truth in you. God, I pray that there would be a re-anchoring right now. It'll take great courage by the power of your spirit to lean into your word alone, not this culture. And for many in high school, many in middle school, many in college, this is a weighty prayer for them. They live in a world that is just crushing them with lies. I pray for strength. Church, wouldn't you agree with that? We would pray for strength for a rising generation to lean on you and you would re-anchor them and then drive that anchor deep. And all of us who have need of that, God, that we would lean into your truth and exchange a world of lies for truth. I pray for those who are far from you right now. Oh, Holy Spirit, who have the courage to even be in this conversation, but by your grace, you've drawn them. If you, you don't even believe in him, you're not even resolved, but if you could whisper to him, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me, God, may you do a kind and powerful work over all who would seek you by your grace. Thank you for hope rooted and anchored in truth in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.